every day I live now, I live for how I'm gonna feel on the last day of my life. And that informs every decision. So I just know like, I'm never gonna wish I worked more. I'm always gonna wish that I did what I love and that I was with people that I love. That's the most important. That's Stacey Salatkin, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. I hope that you'll be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. So many of us are waiting for something to happen before we begin living our life. We're waiting to graduate. We're waiting to be married. We're waiting for that new job. We're waiting until we lose 20 pounds. Stop waiting. <laughs> Two years ago, Stacey Slodkin was kicking butt being a boss at the talent agency she created. Life was good and life was stressful and moving fast. Then she got cancer. Today, she's not only an entrepreneur, but also an artist, an actor, owns her own art gallery, got married to the love of her life, and is a cancer survivor. Getting cancer changed everything. Today, she lives to make every day her best day and to live her best life now. On this episode, we talk about all of that, plus how changing her diet and alternative treatments saved her life, how her girlfriends came to her rescue, and how we all may be playing the love and life game all wrong. All that and so much more coming up, but first. If you're interested in discovering what possibilities and businesses are available for you to create and to live your most fulfilling life, please visit thepowerfulladies.com forward slash coaching and sign up for a free coaching consultation with me. There is no reason to wait another day to not be living your best life when you instead could be running at full speed towards your wildest dreams today. Well, I love that you were sent to me from not only another powerful lady, but another ginger powerful lady. Exactly. The amazing and wonderful Kendall Dolores. Yes. Um, and she met you because you just got, I think you had an elopement? No, I got oh, married. Full wedding. Full wedding at the age of 49. Congratulations. First wedding. Thank you very much. Well, I'm hoping that you waited for your prince. I did. I I did. I it was all worth it. Like I, I am the epitome of, of just waiting for the right one. Mm -hmm. It was really obvious, and he wasn't letting me push him away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I found the love of my life. How did you find him? We met online. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I I did a lot of work on myself mm -hmm. first. I I've been very successful at pretty much everything in my life except for relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's this magical thinking that uh, a relationship is just supposed to happen with no work. And I, I said, well, I obviously don't know what I'm doing. So I need to find someone who does mm -hmm. and who can help me. And so a friend of mine had written a book. Ooh, she'd be a good person for you. <laughs> and it was called The Four-Man Plan. Mm -hmm. And it was this whole, like, thing that she did. And it was really funny. And I called her and I said, would you coach me? And she said, well, I'm super expensive, but 
and I have no time because I have too many people, but I have this other woman. And so I started talking to this other woman. She had me change the way I spoke to men Mm -hmm. because men are really centered in their brain and women are centered in their heart. So Mm -hmm. because I'm a businesswoman, I have a lot of masculinity. Yep. But if I want to attract a masculine man, I needed to step into my femininity, which when I told a lot of women this, because everybody was like, how did you attract this gorgeous six foot four French man, mm-hmm. successful French man? And I, I said, well, I, I, I did all this work. And they immediately, when I said something about being more feminine, they thought that that meant that I was weak, mm-hmm. that I was weaker. And I was like, no, actually, I'm stronger. Mm-hmm. I'm actually sitting back in my power, and I'm letting him be a man. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I have no choices. It doesn't mean that I I don't have a voice in the relationship. I, I, I We're actually extremely equal. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, anyway, that it's a. I'm sorry, I'm no, going on. About this is fascinating. That. Yeah. Uh, uh, many, I highly recommend doing work on yourself if you really want to find someone, and it's been a long time, because I uh, definitely had an amazing human who fits me perfectly come in as soon as I chose to work on myself. Mm-hmm. That's the way it, it works. Yeah. Well, and we haven't even told anyone who you are yet, which I love. <laughs> so do you want to introduce yourself and tell people what you're up to? Yes. So my name is Stacy Salodkin, mm-hmm. and I am turning 50 this year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I uh, am from originally Louisville, Kentucky, but I live in California now for over 25 years. Mm-hmm. I am a business owner of almost 23 years. I own a talent agency. I represent actors. And um, I also just opened my own art gallery because I'm an artist on Pico Boulevard. And I'm also a cancer survivor of a year and a half. Congratulations as well. I beat stage three uh, ovarian cancer. Wow. Um, I'm a year and a half cancer-free right now. And so that's one of my other passions is I'm kind of – lighting the path for others, you know, to help. I think that once Mm -hmm. something happens to you and you live through it, it's now our duty to help others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think that fits for if you've survived a medical condition or if you've started a business or if you've moved or if you found the love of your life, you know, like being someone who's passed through the keyhole like, it's, you have to whisper back and yell back, like, it's okay. Like, come through. <laughs> yeah, because others have done it for me, mm-hmm. you know? So you're yes. paying it forward. Yeah. So um, what brought you from Louisville to California originally? Oh, well, I was an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, I've always been an artist. And then I fell into acting in college. And I loved it. And so I drove out here in uh, my grandfather's car with a CB radio, (laughs) which was supposed to be just for the summer. And uh, I studied with Sanford Meisner and, you know, some really amazing teachers. And I was supposed to go back home to finish my senior year of college. And I was like, no. And I, I actually got a sign on the beach, which is another whole story. But anyway, I stayed. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought me out here originally was 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 acting. 
Very cool. Yeah. And when you told everyone, like, no, I'm staying, like, what was the reaction? Like, was it easy and suddenly things just started working or did you have to fight for staying? Um, For yourself here, like with jobs and work and also back home? So it was very hard for my family to accept mm-hmm. because uh, I also had a scholarship to Art Institute of Chicago mm-hmm. straight out of high school. And my family just didn't really think of the arts as something that you made money from. So, uh, you know, my life could have gone a bunch of different ways. And when I I had a, a savings account for college before I was ever even born. So it, my family just went to college. It's just what you did. And you were not going to be successful unless you did. Mm-hmm. And so I got a lot of pushback from everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanted a timeline. They wanted everything, you know. And, um, you know, but God love them. They just, I guess, trusted me. Even though they didn't, they did, right? And it wasn't until I started my company, uh, which at the time was a a management company because I, I saw a lot of people who were so talented but had agency representation that wasn't helping them and mm-hmm. I had worked for an agent when I first I'm a kind of a hustler so I wanted to yeah. know how things worked yeah worked for an agent I worked for a casting director and I was like you know I could do this mm-hmm. and so I just started a company with 10 people from my theater company and you know we were sort of rogue yeah and it just turned into this whole thing and at a certain point, it got very successful, and I started making more money than my mother and my father. And at that mm-hmm. point, they had to be quiet yeah. because, <laughs> you know, I was obviously more successful mm-hmm. financially than they were. And so they left me alone about the college thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, how has it been? What's that ride been like having that company? Has it evolved? Has it been? Oh, my God. It's so evolved. And uh, it started as, you know, I felt like I was like Robin Hood, right? Mm -hmm. And we were all just in this, like, co-op thing together. And I just ran it really well. And then people really started working. And I was really learning how to negotiate and how – my father was an entrepreneur. And Mm -hmm. And I watched my mother, uh, when they divorced, kind of rebuild her life as her own. So I was a very independent woman, prone for entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, as the company grew, uh, I, I got too busy to act anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't drive across town. Yeah. And my mother passed away. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And that was also something that kind of was a big shift in my life. And mm-hmm. um, I just kind of decided I was going to do the company because that's what was growing. And uh, now I have four employees and we just got a new office on Hollywood Boulevard. And I've really learned the art of uh doing what I do best, but bringing people in and having them do what my weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. And it's just grown the company exponentially. Mm -hmm. I'm sure people say that all the time to you, that you... It's shocking to me how often people are 
are killing it and doing it by themselves and wondering why they can't get past that next level. Yeah. And my answer as coach or powerful ladies host is always, do you have a team? Yeah. Because it changes everything. It changes everything. If you have to step out of what you're best at, you're instantly taking money away from your bottom line. And we don't think about it that way. No. You know, whatever... Whatever your financial goals are, if you can be making that money right now, you shouldn't be doing all the other stuff that you can delegate. Yeah. I'd rather make less Mm -hmm. and have really brilliant people around me and watch something grow and then everyone, you know, benefits from it. Yes. Yeah. And when you um, made the decision to bring people on, um, was it hard at first or were you instantly like, I need a team? Well, I've always had like one person sort of helping me over the years. Mm-hmm. And I'm a control freak. And actually what happened was I got cancer. Mm-hmm. And that was the that was the game shifter for me because I do believe that even though my genes, both my parents have passed from cancer, I had that. I don't believe you have to turn those lights on in your own body. But stress is a huge factor. And as my company grew and I was trying to do everything, everything, um, on like spreadsheets like that I did yeah. on Word documents, um, the stress level was so high. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even pee. Like, you know, I had oh, yeah. I had to have people tell me to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. right? Um and then when my father passed, all this stress, and then I found out, and I, I looked great. Nobody would have ever known I had cancer. I find out that I have stage 3C cancer, like almost stage 4. And all of my girlfriends rallied around me, and they said, you are not working. And they basically took over my company, and they made like my assistant go through them to talk to me. And for a year or two, I had to stop. And that's when I started hiring people yeah. to help. And um, so the universe made me. The universe shifted me. And uh, and I. that's when my art came out. That's when I started painting again. And I really... I, I like it's such a big lesson that I tell people now. It's like every day I live now, I live for how I'm going to feel on the last day of my life. So any decision I make, it's like how am I going to feel about this on the last day? Yeah. And and that informs every decision. So I just know like I'm never going to wish I worked more. No. No one does. <laughs> no one does. I'm always going to wish that I did what I love and that I was with people that I love. Mm -hmm. That's the most important. And how amazing for your girlfriends to beyond be there for you, but be that stand for you surviving this, kicking its butt and just not like, and having your company still thrive. Like, uh, you know, it takes amazing friends to be able to force a control freak business owner into that space. So congratulations to them for like actually making it happen because your whole life has changed as a result. Yeah. I remember my mother telling me when I was really young, I used to admire her and the fact that she had this big, strong support system of women around her. And she said, if you have five really like amazing female friends, like the Mm -hmm. friends that will lie in the street for you, Mm -hmm. uh, 
you've made it. Like, you're successful. And and I had exactly that. Five female friends and a couple of male who just there's this there's this thing that I think women have that we have to do everything alone. Again, it's this mm-hmm. theme. And I didn't even know I had that kind of support system until the chips were down. And that's mm-hmm. when you find out who really is in your life for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, and how do we get awareness to that before something that scary has to happen? Yeah. I started a blog mm-hmm. when I got sick. Mm-hmm. And I basically videotaped everything. And people who didn't have cancer were saying, thank you so much, because it it was a wake-up call for people. Mm -hmm. When I went into the hospital with just pain, I was just having pain, they wanted to send me home with, they said I was, uh, that I was um, constipated. And so they were like, you're fine, you're just constipated, we're going to send you home with constipation medicine. And I said, uh, no, no, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And they, the other doctor came in and he's like, well, maybe it's a pulled muscle. I, no, it's either constipation or pulled muscle. And I said, I'm telling you right now, I'm 47 years old and I know my body mm-hmm. and there's a blockage. I can feel it and I need you to do tests and I'm not leaving. Good for you. And I was there in the thing with the with the thing in my vein, in a wheelchair, right, while they're doing things, with my computer on my lap working, Mm -hmm. cell phone, negotiating on the phone in the emergency room. And 12 hours later, I'm on the phone with my assistant, and they start to wheel me back into a room. And you know that's not good. And I was like, they're wheeling me back into a room. This is not good. And he's like, well, maybe, maybe they're just going to discharge you. I'm like, they don't wheel you back in the room for that. And woman who had originally said that I had constipation came in. It was like a bad episode of Grey's Anatomy, shut the door and came up really close to me. And she said, I'm so sorry. You have cancer and it's everywhere. And I was like, holy fuck. I mean, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Like right? My mouth is over here like open and stunned because I'm like, what do you mean everywhere? Yeah. And talk about powerful women. She felt so bad because the the people who were the ovarian cancer specialists came in to examine me and the stomach specialists came in to st- and nobody would admit me. Mm. They were like, oh, it's not ovarian cancer. Oh, it's not stomach cancer. And they wanted to send me home. And this woman who had originally said I had constipation was like, I am not letting you leave this hospital. Like, mm-hmm. if you leave this hospital, you're going to have stage four. It's going to take weeks mm-hmm. to get in with a specialist. And she got some doctor who's not even a cancer doctor to admit me. And I was there for three days and we started the journey, the long journey. So when she said it was everywhere, what did that mean? Like, <laughs> I'm imagining head to toe. No, basically it was all contained within my belly area, thank mm-hmm. God. But it was all over my belly. It was all over my liver. It was all over my kidneys. It was all over my um, spleen. It was all over my digestive tract. It was all over my um, my uterus. It was mm-hmm. everywhere. It was just ovarian cancer spits out, and it just lays on top of everything. Yeah. And so— you know, when they they tried to operate first, mm-hmm. um, I did lots of, you know, research about the best doctors to go to. And um, I found City of Hope. And they opened me up. And then they closed me. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this, but they went out to tell my then fiance. By the way, he asked me to marry him a month after I got diagnosed, which that's a very pretty amazing. Yes. And they said to him that uh, the level of morbidity would have been too high if they had operated. I would have died, essentially. So they closed me back up, and I did chemo, and uh, and then I got operated on again, and. In between that time, I educated myself because I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because my parents had passed and I had been left some money, I just spent it. I just used it all on any alternative medicine I could find. I found mm-hmm. the best alternative doctor with mm-hmm. all the integrative medicine. And I was like, "Let's! I'm just going to be a guinea pig and I'm going to do everything. And by the time they opened me back up again, the doctors came out and they said we were mesmerized. It was like the cancer had melted away, and all that was left was one tiny bit inside my uh, ovary. Which is probably where it started. Probably where it started. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm a huge advocate for alternative medicine. What, What were the alternative practices that you tried? Oh, my God. I did everything. Like, I did mistletoe injections. What is that? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like mistletoe, like the Christmas mistletoe? Like the Christmas mistletoe. It basically, if you extract it and uh-huh. you have to shoot it into your belly, mm-hmm. it's a huge immune system booster. Oh. And then I also went into these oxygen tanks and I was taking, I still take 80 supplement pills a day um, from this Dr. Nalini Chilkoff, who is an acu puncturist, but also worked with my chemotherapist. and She's like an herbalist? She's then? an herbalist mm-hmm. as well, yeah. Um, and I did acupuncture two or three times a day. I did cranial yeah. sacral two or three times a day. I mean, you name it, I did it. Changed my diet completely. Mm-hmm. What is your diet now? Now, um, it's pretty similar. Yeah. I'm kind of uh, a pescatarian, and uh, I stay away from sugar. I stay away from mm-hmm. dairy. I have a little cheese now, now mm-hmm. that I'm kind of past stuff. Yeah. Um, and I imagine a French husband would require at least like 0.01%. Yeah. Like when we go to France <laughs> to visit his family, all bets yeah. are off. I'm like, yeah. you know, for two weeks I can I can cheat. But that yeah. first year I didn't, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's basically not putting anything in your body that turns into sugar. Nothing mm-hmm. that's going to raise your glucose levels because cancer cells eat eight times, or I can't remember how many times the amount of sugar. So a lot of people poo-poo that. Mm-hmm. But two of my friends, who are now my friends, who were diagnosed the same time as me, same BRCA positive, same everything. Mm-hmm. We started chemo together. One of them is dying, and one of them is uh, is fighting it again. Mm-hmm. And the only difference is, is that I changed my diet and did supplements and did all these other treatments. And mm-hmm. so I just posted on my blog today that you saw it? Not the, I saw the post to Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, to Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> I did a post today because my dream is to partner with a 501c so that, not, that people who— who don't have money to do mm-hmm. alternative medicine can. That's what yeah. I want to do. I've helped some people, but if they can't do the ongoing, I haven't made a dent. But you shouldn't have to be rich to stay alive, Mm-mm. right? Yeah. And so that's a big passion of mine is is trying to find some people who— and already people are, like, coming yeah. to me saying, I want to do that too because, yeah. you know— 
anyway. Well, Jimmy Kimmel <clears throat> made that um, that big public uh, push about why we need just standard health care because yeah. of the surgeries that his son has had to have. Yes. He's like, I have the money to pay for this, but like no other dad should have to choose. Right. And I, and I think it's true for all of these, these medicines. Um, we've had recently had a woman on who is, um, she was a, a licensed therapist and now she's a coach because she can blend um, alternative holistic healing with her uh, therapy practice. Yep. And you can't do that when you're operating as a licensed therapist. She's like, this is ridiculous. Like, when I have options to heal people in all these methods and I can only use one, like mm-hmm. we're not really helping anyone. Mm-hmm. And then same with like, I'm totally obsessed with um, all of the food and health documentaries that are out. Yes, me too. Like cannot get enough. If like, if people keep making them, I will keep watching them. <laughs> um, but they share so many things in common, whether it's about like modern agriculture practices or the food we choose that so many people who you think are there to look out for us as a population aren't. And it's so frustrating. So when I, frustrating. When I stopped uh, acting, I lost my health insurance. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and no one would insure me. And because of Obamacare, yeah, I was able to, and I was a healthy person. I mean, now mm-hmm. they were probably right because I had cancer, but uh, nobody, and I would say, look how healthy I am. I eat healthy. Mm -hmm. I work out and I'm so good. And nobody would insure me and thank God for Obamacare because Mm -hmm. I, it's astronomical the amount of money that you have to pay when you get sick. And I know lots of people because they, they follow me on my blog and they talk to me and they, they don't have the money, Mm -hmm. you know, even going to a doctor who can, you know, Western medicine is only like a piece of the pie. Yes. And they can't even afford that piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Not even all the other stuff that could help them. No. So it's a it's pretty sad state of affairs, especially the government right now. Yeah. Well, no, and we and um I also do some financial coaching. It's becoming a smaller piece of my coaching business now, but I oh, I bring it up because, you know, we talk about people being in debt and how to get out of it. And you would think, based on what's talked about at a political level, that student debt is the number one cause of debt, you know, after credit cards in the U.S. The truth is, the number one reason people go bankrupt and have debt is medical bills. I didn't know that. And it doesn't need to be high medical bills to like yeah. really push you over the edge based on where your family's at. And how, you know, even just the the mediating line for knowing that you are um, – uh, what's like middle income mm-hmm. is like $45,000 in the U.S. That's crazy. It's crazy when you yeah. look at us as, as, as a nation. And so if you think someone making $45,000, even if like how much it can cost to have a baby, like 35 was what I got quoted recently from a friend. So it's going to take you a year to pay that off if yeah. you can. Yeah. And if they demand it now, you're screwed. Yeah. The 45000 would not have covered just my copay. No. For all my all my treatments. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like, thank goodness you had extra money. Thank goodness you were successful. You probably had a savings account on top yeah. of that. Like, yeah. thank goodness you were in that position. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I don't understand why access to health and education aren't like the two things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you have those two things, you can create all sorts of stuff right. from that. I know. I know. Yeah. It's really scary. I just don't understand how people can say that they care about people and not care about those two things. Right. But that's me. Me too, sister. (laughs) 
Me too. So now that you have come through this. Yes. Um, you rediscovered your art. I did. What, how did you get back into that? And what is rediscovering that process been like, like through the cancer and, and since? Well, I've been an artist since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that becoming a strong woman to me through my 20s meant making money so that I could take care of myself. I didn't need a man. That's what it meant to me at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I achieved that. And um, my art was just something I kind of just did and I was good at. And then when I had this space where all I was doing was either having treatment and feeling sick, um, all of a sudden, this kind of space, well, what what do you want, Stacy? Like, mm-hmm. what what's in your gut? Like, what wants to come out? And I just wanted to paint. And so my now husband set up a studio. And I had always had, I look, I, I'm not saying it just started. I was mm-hmm. in the Venice Art Walk. Like, I was a successful artist. Mm-hmm sort of ish a local like people knew you locally and people like I sold some stuff I had Mm -hmm. some stuff in restaurants but I wasn't like I couldn't live off of it Mm -hmm. um and he made a studio for me out of our second bedroom so basically all this stuff happened my father died we we were buying a house I found out I had cancer it all happened at once right yeah so then uh he he set this thing up so I would just go from the bed and I would go into the other room and start painting. And I started painting every single day and it became a series. And I just did a show at my gallery and it was called 30 Days. And uh, the because I had so much space, and, and this is going to sound woo-woo and weird, but my paintings were kind of talking to me mm-hmm. and I was hearing my voice, right, come out. And... I, I I could cry now just talking about it because I said to my husband, I said, I could die now and be happy because I finally put my art first. Mm-hmm. I finally put my creativity yep. first. And when I found my gallery on Pico and just the signing of the lease, mm-hmm. I say this a, a lot now, I, I said, I could die tomorrow mm-hmm. because I've achieved it. Mm-hmm. I put I put me first. I didn't put, you know, my business, which helps others and all this other stuff, you know, first. I really did also include myself in that, which mm-hmm. is really hard for women to do because mm-hmm. women, it's all about helping others, right? It's all about mothering and, mm-hmm. you know, caring for people. And I, for the first time in my life, cared for myself, and brought that to the forefront. And it's really become the most important thing in my life now, which is not letting that voice be pushed down anymore. It has to at least be equal. Yeah. You know? And so now I am just going to my studio whenever I can. I'm I'm still obviously working in my business, but I'm more mentoring. I'm more guiding. I'm coming in for, with the negotiations and, 
kind of being an owner now instead of also being the everyday the doer doer mm-hmm. yeah 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 so my life is completely shifted and i'm sure that opens up so many other things for you uh, relationships and space and peace of mind and yeah i'm just a completely different person i mean i my friends feel it there, you know, and I, I have, I started to fall back into the stress of the job again. And, and then I got sick. I, you know, so to me, for me, it's really about being so in tune with your body Mm -hmm. that you listen to those signs. Yep. You know, anyway, it's helped us so much. Yeah. We've had everyone on here from uh, mobility specialists to athletes to, you know, the, the coach, the Reiki practitioner was talking about. And there's a red line that's finally modern science is catching back up with the ancient science of like, we get all these messages all the time and we ignore them. Yeah. And whether we're ignoring emotional or physical trauma or any of this stuff, like it goes somewhere, like it starts building up. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fascinating when I learned that um, people, um, the definition of like poltergeist is like, um, stored up energy released from a body and in, like into a space oh wow and i was like that makes total sense actually <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense like you know, like you you know this stuff goes somewhere yeah and if we just stuff it down like it it's going to show up physically yeah even at one of the um we do monthly meetups in costa mesa for powerful ladies and we're looking to expand but on the um, in october it was all about intuition and we do like roundtable discussions about like what that means. And we had a woman there who is a hairdresser. And she goes, I can tell where people are at in their life based on their hair. Yeah. She's like, I don't really know what it means all the time, but I can tell like something's up. Either they're stressed or they're sick or something's going on. So like, I'm kind of like a hair whisperer. And she's like, now I don't know when I notice this, if I should ask people or tell people or be like, maybe they don't need more stress in their life. <laughs> but she's like, I think I have to because I want them to know like your body's saying something and maybe you can't, you don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's wild how all of this gets communicated. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at your art and your gallery, like where do you get your inspiration from? Like, what do you, what do you want your art to be expressing and sharing with everyone else? <sighs> um. I feel like, you know, early on I had this famous artist in in Venice come to my gallery and or my studio at the time. It was a garage and he started yelling at me about how I needed to go back to art school and just basically berating me about my art and I'm never going to be in a museum and blah, 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 blah. That's lovely. Yeah, and I cried <laughs> for three days. And then I just really had to think about what you just asked me pretty early on. And I make things that make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I I make things that I feel are beautiful. And if somebody else finds them beautiful, great. But for me, it's about being in the moment, in total flow with who I am Mm -hmm. and what I'm hearing and what I'm getting and to be in connection with what I'm working on and and watching that evolve into this thing it's almost like a diary Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and uh if I can just make people happy with my work or or 
you know, I love it when people like go up to my work and they kind of look at it. And how did you do this? And it provokes other kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's it. Uh, but I've also really kind of gotten to the point where my my artwork is for myself. Yeah. And so if other people like it, that's like icing on the cake, right? But but it has to be for me first. And it can't be about money or, um, you know, I bring up Elizabeth Gilbert a lot because her book, Big Magic. Oh, we talk about it on this podcast all the time. Like, everyone's a fan. It's, it's my Bible. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I go to it all the time. And one of the, one of the, par- uh, one of the, uh, what do you call it? Chapters. Yeah. <laughs> one of the chapters. This is what happens when you're getting old. Um, one of the chapters talks about not putting pressure on your creativity. Mm-hmm. And I really subscribe to that. It's like, if I sell a painting, that's great. But I don't have to sell a painting. Mm-hmm. I can keep them all. I have hundreds of paintings <laughs> at my studio. And, you know, they're like my little baby. So I covet them a mm-hmm. lot. You know, people, I, I just did one yesterday and somebody's like, how much? I'm like, I don't know. You know, but you know, really how much? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know if it's finished. It's just like, yeah, it's not about that because I've also developed this other part of my life that that supports my art Mm -hmm. so I'm not in that space where my art has to support me I'm actually supporting my creativity yes you know I totally understand that um I love helping people get to discover what their flow state is Mm. and then figure out how do we monetize it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you monetize it on its own. Sometimes you monetize it just like you're doing with something else that you're also good at that you can make money at faster and easier Yeah, without the emotional attachment. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I love that book. And I think it applies to so many different levels of creativity. And just like she talks about the story she had that wasn't hers to finish when she mm, met that I woman. I love, yes. Love things like chills, that. Chills, I just got chills. Yeah. <laughs> but even with your your art, I imagine that there are art, like when people go to like it, you almost know, like, no, that's meant for you. Like you can yes. feel that exchange of like, oh yeah, like you're the one that I've been waiting for to figure out a price for this one because no one else meant to have it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And how cool is it that happens in the world? It's so cool. <laughs> You know, I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool when someone vibes so strongly, you know, and uh, yeah, I I I love seeing my art out in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, Kendall bought two pieces. Yeah, no, her, they're amazing. Like, I, like she told me about it, and then she recommended you, and I'm like, oh. and it's very much style that I like because I don't like when things are, I don't like my art to have 90 degrees. Mm. And so especially your watercolor swirl paintings, like I'm literally scrolling on your website right now. Oh. Like, I want that one and that <laughs> one. Because um, like they're just, they're very emotional and um, I see a lot of story in them. Mm. Yeah. Which is, which is why I think they're cool. Jordan's checking them out now. They're very feminine. Everything that I do is very feminine. There's no hard mm-hmm. lines. And I, w- I went to art school, so... I was, you know, doing still lifes and, mm-hmm. you know, drawing faces. And this was really my outlet because I was so much in my head in my business mm-hmm. that I wanted to just be able to be free and not think in my work. Yes. You know, and now I travel around to different cities and I 
I find artists that I love and I say, can I come and do a private with you? And I work with them and I meet all these really kick-ass, amazing women. And and now, and and I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but the beautiful thing about social media is that I'm a, I'm connected now to these artists mm-hmm. all over the world. Like I have an artist yeah. in Germany and we just love each other, you yeah. know, and we, and I'm just like amazed by the work that they do and, and we support each other and we realize that it's, we're not in competition. No. You know, yeah. it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's my favorite thing about powerful ladies is that just connecting women who are awesome and up to something yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, you know, we had, there was a, a fellow coach at the meetup this past month and she's like, is it okay that I, I tell people where to find me? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm like, yes, of course. Like the comp, like, I don't believe in the competition concept. Like, no. There's different, just like there's different art for every person. There's going to be different coaching needs. There's like, you want to be around different people. Yeah. And there's so many people. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. And I really, I, I also like, we were talking about bringing healthcare, making healthcare affordable. Like, it's one of the things I wanted to do with my artwork, which is why mm-hmm. I, I offer prints. Because there's this like, she-she-ness in the art world here in Los Angeles. And when I started to get into the art world here, Mm -hmm. I started to notice the stress coming back. And I feel like I already did that race with my business. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, that's not what this is. Yeah. This is about love, right? Mm -hmm. This is about bringing joy into people's homes. And so I wanted to make it accessible. I didn't want it to be for the elite. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I decided to Somebody had offered to come and do this video of me, and I'll, and he was going to help me. Like, mm-hmm. and I was just like, um, no, I'm not even stepping into that pool, mm-hmm. right? I'm just going to have my own fucking gallery, yeah, and I'm going to do my own fucking shows, and I'm going to invite other strong, powerful artists to yeah. come in, and we'll just do our own shit. It's the same thing I did with my company. 100%. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, I'm just going to do it on my own. That's what I, I, if I can say anything to anyone when they come to me for advice, I'm like, I always say, you don't need anyone else. Like you mm-hmm. just need to follow your gut. And then the people who will help you will just start to come, right? Yes. But you don't need anyone to open the door for you. But that's, it's, Mm-mm. you just don't. You got to yep. kick, you, you kick the door open. Yeah, and and I think um, it becomes so clear what you need to do once you move all the things you should do out of the way. Right, right. It it amazes me how often we look at what we are going to do in the world, and when I ask people, do you really want to do that? 90% of the things, like, move out of the way. Yeah. Like, why? Why do we take on other people's dreams? (laughs) dreams. <laughs> right. I don't understand it. Right. And why do we think life needs to be hard? Because it also, it doesn't. Yes. You Thank know? you. Like, even when I just said kick down the door, I was like, well, no, really, you just kind of go around the door and you go down the path that has the pretty flowers that you like, and you walk down that path, right? Yes. And then you find what jazzes you there. It's, you know, and I know like, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I did. I wasn't born rich. I wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't come from money at all. But I do believe that somehow I navigated life to kind of find a balance of everything, 
And I think a lot of it comes from just really believing in myself finally and and uh, following what's bright and what's light and mm-hmm. what's positive and leaving the negative. Yeah. You know, because I believe that our words are powerful and our thoughts are powerful. They are. They really are. And And I hear in your share a lot of no matter what you were doing, like working your butt off for it. Like it was yeah. you, you know, there's a difference between choosing the path that is more attractive to you mm-hmm. versus choosing the path that's easier. Right. And I think that's a, a distinction that gets lost sometimes. Like, you know, when you talk about a flowery path, like it wasn't that was the easier path. That oh, was God, the one no. that brought you more joy. <laughs> and sometimes you have to climb a mountain to like find that path. Yeah. But it's it's really about like how do we how do we stay in the place where we're having the most fun? Because mm-hmm. when you're having fun, you're going to work hard. And when you're working hard, things are going to open themselves up. Yeah. Like, if you're at a desk that you hate every day and all you're doing is consuming and creating negative energy, like you're not going to have any sort of the life that you want. It's right. just not possible. Now, listen, I flipped burgers. I mm-hmm. worked at a gas station. I worked at a flower shop. I mean, I I, I was a waiter. I was a bartender. I mean, I've done I, – I, I've worked since I was 12 years old. Whatever it took. Whatever it took, Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, I've done just about everything, you know. But I, when I look back now, the biggest leaps I made were the ones that where I just trusted that voice Mm -hmm. and went, "Oh, I'm going to do this." Yeah. And I'm just going to figure it out as I go. Everything I always did, I just figured it out as I as I went. You know, I didn't really do anything by the traditional method. No, and, and I'm so happy that we're in a little bit of a, like a find your own way entrepreneurial renaissance because I'm so over people thinking like I have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, I have, I have some clients that come to me and they're like, okay, I need my Twitter strategy. I need my YouTube strategy. Like they need all these things, mm. they think. And I'm like, you don't even have a thing yet. Yeah. Like what's your thing? But all these people are out there selling the right way to do things. I know. And it's a lie. It is such a lie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me crazy. Because there's some people who are doing amazing things out there to help people. And there are other people who I don't think they realize the box that they've created for themselves or others. Yeah. I will say that I was in debt when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And the book that got me out of debt mm-hmm. was You Were Born Rich by Bob Proctor. Did you ever Ooh, read that? no. Okay. So whenever t- somebody's telling me that they're spending all this money to go do this or that to try to figure all this stuff out, I'm like, $12.99, You Were Born Rich, Bob Proctor. Literally, within reading that book, and I went to his seminar, which he paid for, by the way, for me, because I didn't have the money to go. Um, I, literally, within the year, I was out of debt, and I've never been in debt again. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was something, there's something very spiritual about the book yeah. and I just, it just jived with me. And so, you know, when people come to me and they tell me I have money problems, I'm like, just go read this book. <laughs> well, and, and I think that there's so much of how you value yourself mm. tied into that whole story. Yeah. So much. Oh yeah. Like, oh, and I have a dance, right? Mm. So I have a, a weird, okay, people are just going to think I'm really weird Not right at now. all. You're, you're speaking to your people. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I have a thing that I say that I used to say all the time. I don't say it anymore because now I, you know, I, You've God bless, it. I have, like, I don't worry about paying my bills anymore. Um, 
I say money is flowing to me mm-hmm. like a river to the ocean and I am the ocean. And I envision that, right? Mm-hmm. And I would go around my apartment and I would sing it and I would dance and I would say it. And literally money would come to me mm-hmm. the very next day, like literally a check in the mail. Mm-hmm. And people don't believe me, but there's a power in that, right? And mm-hmm. I just believed it. And and ever since then, I just, I don't worry about money. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just had to say that because if somebody else wants to say their little thing. You're not crazy. <laughs> Everyone who's been on this podcast or listened to, to this has a mantra similar to that. Or I'm a big believer in saying something over and over again, and then it happens. Like, yeah. we've talked about it so yeah. – Kara's talked about it so many times. Like, you put it out into the universe, it's going to happen. Yeah. You yeah. To, I do believe you have to meet it halfway. Yeah. Right? Like, if you were saying that in your apartment and then, like, you would just lay back down for the right. next week. Right. I would be surprised if a check showed up. But if you're saying that and then you're also out and doing the things and causing the energy to move around and you're working, like, you're like, yeah, like, you're playing. Yeah. Like, going back to Elizabeth Gobert, like – genius and the universe and all these things they want to play along like yeah. if you are not willing to play they're going to move on you have to be in the flow right mm-hmm. you have to be in the flow if you're on the side of the river holding onto the rock you're not going to be in the flow so nothing's going to come to you yes but you so you have to kind of be in the game of it and in the flow of it and i i'm a big believer in not uh, my meditation teacher once said you know don't don't give advice unless it's asked for mm-hmm. and so you know, I, I'm not perfect with it, but I try only to say something to someone if they come to me and ask me. And most of the time when someone's come to me and asked me about something, it, I hear it in their voice, all of their all of their words, all of the things they say, everything goes down, right? Mm-hmm. It's all, this is what's, uh, and, uh, and it's all, and I say, you need to change your speech, Whatever you can do to change up that energy because you're literally calling in what you're saying. Yeah. Just change the speech. Just just fake it for a while. Just start to say mm-hmm. other things because I do believe that, that, that all the people who are successful and who have wonderful things in their lives are doing what you just said, which is they're saying these positive things and you— when you start to say things, you start to see them. Yeah. You know, and it's not even woo-woo. It's just you see what you're looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, why why not choose the lighter, easier, happier option? Yeah. Like, to your point, it doesn't need to be this hard. Right. Like, I think everything I do is because I makes me crazy that everyone makes it so hard. I know. For no reason. Like, yeah. Like, come and play on the side where we're having fun. Right. Like, we're not picking up rocks over here. Right. And I was there in mm-hmm. my teens. I mean, I was depressed and, mm-hmm. oh, woe is me, you know? So it, it is a journey, right? Yes, 100%. Such a journey. But one of my friends, you know, we're all turning 50 this year. And she was like, oh, God, it's turning 50. And, you know, I just realized that I, I've lived more life than I have left to live. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, maybe not. And I just said, but isn't it cool to be at this age now where you kind of know things? Mm -hmm. I was like, I just think that's so fucking cool. You know, I feel like I know things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
I just, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm feeling good in my life, but I've just, I, I like that. I like, I, I would not go back. No, I mean, I read an article last night about a woman who turned 110. Oh my God. 110. And she's still reading, still lives in her own place, still doing her own thing. Like, most people probably think that she's 70 or 80. Wow. But she's 110. And then a friend of mine who's been on the on the podcast as well sent me a video of her grandmother on the treadmill. Oh, my God. Dancing, who just turned 90-something. I'm like, we need her on the podcast. Like, she's hilarious. Um, but really, like, you know, 50 doesn't have to be more than half your life anymore. No, no. Although my immediate family died early. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about me, but wouldn't it be great if I, you know, if my vision of me with all my gray flowing hair and me and my man are living on a lake somewhere and mm -hmm. I'm painting and we're both naked or something. I don't know, you know, yeah. it'd be awesome to be in my 80s, you know, and that's yeah, certainly a goal, mm -hmm. right? But just in case that's not the case, like I want to make Every year, great. Yeah. I think no matter what age you're shooting for. Yeah. Well, I think too, we were just discussing the um, the book, The One Thing, because that's what our January meetup was about. And one of the things they talk about is how people have to-do lists all the time, but they're full of stuff that you really don't care about. Right. And what I hear in what you're talking about is like you, your wisdom also, you, there's a freedom in knowing like, oh, I'm not doing half that stuff. Let's not even talk about it. Like yeah. the video guy. Nope. No, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Like you're just not putting extra stuff in your space. I, I really feel into stress, mm -hmm. right? So if something starts to kind of make me feel tight, mm -hmm. I just immediately go, no. Like I remember when my mom got cancer and I came home and I think I threw some sort of tissy fit or something. You know, you always turn into a child when you go back home. And she just said, I don't have time for that. Like, if, if you need to do that, you can go outside or you can go back upstairs. Mm -hmm. But I don't have time for that anymore. And I hear that now, right? Yeah. I hear that. I'm like, there's a list and it's like life is too short. That that goes yes. in the life, life is too short pile, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to do things that bring me joy, period. And that's powerful. It is. And it's powerful and free. Yeah. And like, you know, look, going to the doctor doesn't make me happy and joyful, but it's for my health. Yeah. So that brings me joy. Yeah. You know, so it, sometimes it's not always going to be like, you know, all daffodils, but it's the purpose of it is daffodils. It's the commitment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when you think about, you know, who's inspired you along this path and who, who reminds you to be a powerful lady in person— who are those people? Well, number one is my mother. Mm -hmm. Like, my mother is gone now, but man, powerful, powerful woman. I'm so lucky. And uh, and she, just the, the thought of that also reminds me every day. It's like, I learned a big lesson when I lost her. And whew, you got to be around the people that you love. And, mm -hmm. and that's number one, you never want to regret. Mm -hmm. That's You never want to regret that you didn't spend more time. So I had to learn that in a, in a hard way. But man, watching her like canvas for the candidates that she believed in and, you know, n never backing down and, and 
having a divorce with my father and having to give up everything to do that and then buying her own house and rebuilding her life, man, just like really powerful. And I love Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm -hmm. Like to me, she's just living her best life, Mm -hmm. right? And also at the same time, embracing others and shining a light. And I don't, I did do a, I went to hear her speak and did a weekend thing with her, but I, I, so I don't know, I'm not her friend, but man, would I love to be her friend. (laughs) And, you know, like Michelle Obama, you know, Mm -hmm. like those kind of women. Mm -hmm. And and then the hundreds of women on Instagram that are all like kind of putting their art out there and putting themselves out there. I just, there's so many, all my friends, like there's so many, Yeah, you know, you know, Helen Frankenthaler, like the, the women who started the art movement and just kind of, even though they, none of them got famous because they were only recognizing men, but they were just putting their shit out there, you know, mm-hmm. love that. No, it's is that it, too many people. <laughs> no such thing. There's no such thing. Um, when you look at like how you are today versus um, how you were younger, like how has being powerful changed? You spoke to about like leaning back and letting the feminine show up, but like what else has changed for you and what it means to to be a powerful lady? I I'll be interested to hear if this is something that gets said a lot. But I feel like once I really kind of just decided to love who I was, there's a shift that happens when I was like, oh, this is my body. Like, this is my body. Like, this is my body, you know? <laughs> and like, and then, you know, I used to hate my hair. I used to straighten my hair, I have curly hair. And Your now hair's like, amazing. And now I'm like, my hair's amazing, right? Yeah. It's like, but there was a shift that happened. And like, I just, and it's not always this way, but I just don't care as much about what other people think. And I think mm-hmm. I lived at least half my life caring about what other people think and doing things to please others and hoping mm-hmm. that they would like me so that I would be enough. And that has now shifted to where I'm enough. Who's going to come play, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who's going to come play with me? Yeah. You know, and I'm not perfect. I'm not always at that space. I still want people to like me, of course. Yes. But I, am I answering the question? You're doing a great job. Okay. <laughs> I just decided that this, if you believe in reincarnation or not or whatever, this is my trip this time. And so let's just do with what I've got and and let's just like paint the town, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. As much as I can. Yes. Well, then that leads me into the question we ask everybody. Oh. Where on the scale, the powerful lady scale, do you put yourself? Is zero is average everyday human and 10 is super powerful lady? How do you feel today and how do you feel on average? Today, I feel powerful because I'm here. (laughs) So today, I feel like an eight. Awesome. And I would say on a day-to-day basis, I probably would put myself... I mean, I think I'm kind of a badass. I would put mm-hmm. myself around a seven. Mm-hmm. 
I think, you know, kicking cancer's ass and yeah. having a gallery. I mean, you know, like, I don't know if you would have asked me this three years ago, I would have said a seven, but I put myself at a seven. Yeah. You're doing the things now. I'm doing the things. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Yeah. Um, you know, so many women and people in general, like, I love all the men that tell me they're secretly listening to all the episodes. <laughs> um but, you know, people are really asking, like, how do I find my thing? How do I find my purpose? How do I get started on that? Mm. You know, for people who are really in this seeking space, you know, what would you tell them to look for or to, you know, how do they start discovering those things that are going to get them as excited as you are about your life right now? I think you have to get as quiet as you can, because I think that everyday doing of everything is so much noise in your head and and who you want to be can't possibly break through that noise Mm -hmm. so many many years ago i started to meditate and i know i I was one of those people i have a very my my mind goes a thousand miles a minute so i never thought i could meditate but there is no bad meditation. Mm-hmm. It is just about sitting in a chair and closing your eyes and letting the voices come up. But I think even in my painting now, always, it's just getting as quiet as you can, taking your shoes off and going and walking in the grass, giving yourself some space, mm-hmm. which we don't do a lot these days. There's such a rat race going on and a hamster wheel, and we're all on it. And you have to step off of it to really hear yourself because it is whispers Mm -hmm. and you just trust that it will come and remember that you don't know until you know. So don't force yourself to know. It'll just happen, but you have to give it space. Yeah. And I've also seen too that the whispers will get louder if you, both of you ignore it or if you keep trying to listen. Yeah. Sometimes they get like a smack in the face because they're just over you not listening. Yeah. And sometimes somebody's holding on to it so hard. Mm-hmm. They're like, I have to find it. I have to find it. I-. Well, nothing can breathe in that space either. Mm-mm. So you have to say, oh, I'm really ready. Right? That's what I said when I wanted a relationship. I was like, I just decided, oh, I would really like to grow old with someone. And then I just waited to mm-hmm. see what would happen. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to ask her for help. And then I just, you know, so it's this, it's like you said, it's not sitting back and just saying, oh, this is what I want. And then going back to bed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's this fine dance between not holding on too hard, but really making a conscious decision about what you want in life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not being hard on yourself. Yeah. we got to give ourselves grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we look into, you know, what you're up to for this year, what are you excited about? Oh, my. I'm excited about tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm just, <laughs> um, I am, you know, I just, I, I have, I was sick for a month and a half. So I, I just got back into my studio yesterday and I, I uh, walked past all the little voices in my head saying, oh, you haven't been doing this lately and you don't know what you're doing and maybe you should sit down and meditate and think about what you want to do. And I just let it come out and I probably did one of my favorite paintings ever. And I I guess I just, I'm just excited to 
find out if I get to live to be mm-hmm. 80, right? I'm just, there's nothing necessarily specific because I have to tell you, like, I feel like I've done it. I've yeah. traveled. I've, I, you know, I just, I'm at this place now where I, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to wake up tomorrow. It sounds like you're really in this beautiful place of discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, no, not, no pressure. Just like, let's see what shows up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's, uh, I've put these seeds out, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just watching everything grow. Yeah. And so now I just get to water everything, right? I get to yep. pay attention and, and see the people I love and, and try to be better every day. I just try to be a better person every day and, and remind myself of these things every day. You sound the farthest like I would imagine a talent agent would sound like. I. <laughs> this is the thing. Um, so I'm. My company's called Beth Stein and Associates, and I. When I'm in my business, I'm Beth Stein, and and my husband does not like her. <laughs> and you know, when I'm in that mode, like you don't really want to talk to me on the phone. I sound. I'm I'm definitely a different person when mm-hmm. I'm negotiating a deal and when I'm actually Stacy in my real life. Yeah. And is that a, like a name you made up for the company? Way back when, yeah. My middle name is Beth. Mm-hmm. And way back then, I was still acting, so I had to have a different name. And so I chose Beth, and my last name is Salodkin, so I said S, but it should still be Jewish. And so I was like Stein, and I'm like, okay, Beth Stein and Associates. And, and then I came out. Probably, I can't remember, once I stopped acting, I sort of came out, and, <laughs> and then I transitioned Beth yes. into Stacy Beth, and mm-hmm. people would be like, hey, Beth, I'm like, Stacy Beth, you know? And then some people yeah. who knew me as an actress were like, Stacy, is that you? And I'd be like, yeah, it's me. I've been wanting to tell you for years. It's me. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, it was this whole thing coming out as, as Beth Stein. Yeah, the entrepreneurial Serial entrepreneur thing doesn't stop. I no, I know, Mm -hmm. I know. Anytime I see somebody doing something, like, oh, you can make money at that. You know that, right? Like, yes. Oh, you can make money at that. Why aren't you making money at that? Yes, I'm always like that. (laughs) Yeah, like minds. Like, I'm glad I have a funnel for that now. But I, like you said, I need to ask people permission first. Like, would you like to make money at that? Because you could. Yeah, yeah. It's like no. It's like such a for me. That's a such a fun game. Yeah. I think people have a negative connotation about money. Mm-hmm. You know, money is a tool. Yes. And it can and it can be fun and a wonderful thing and you can really help people with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think you just have to change your mindset about it. I think that's yes. you know, I I thought being a starving artist was a thing. Romantic. Yeah, it was romantic. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's no. not. No, no, no. It's no, cold no. and hungry usually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm totally I, I learned pretty quickly. I was like, "Oh, I'm not into this." Mm-mm. I'm not into this. I did no. it for a lot of years. And I'm like, "I'm not into this." No. No, and especially when like with both of your businesses, you you just get to bring like opportunity and joy at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. You know, like so many people, when you ask what they sell, they're like, I sell bricks. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, I don't know. Like, I think you sell a new home for somebody. I yeah. think you sell all this, like all these other words that people care about that are not the brick. Yeah. But most people aren't pitching those words. They're pitching the brick. And I'm like, well, that's why it's not working. Yeah. And I feel like I was successful because I, I was... I I did set up a company that was helping other people. Like mm-hmm. that that is 
definitely one of my purposes in life. And then I wasn't, I didn't feel whole mm-hmm. until I also started helping myself. Yes. Right? Because I always felt depleted and I always mm-hmm. felt like I was leaving myself out of that equation. And then it was finding that balance of also like, oh, putting myself up there and helping myself. I never, I always said, oh, I don't know how to do that. And now, you know, marrying those two, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. finally I got it. Yep. So I imagine that you were a, an example of a powerful lady, right, with your powerful man. Yeah. How do you get inspired from him? And like, how do you guys work together to make sure each other's living your, their best lives? Well, he's really good at things that I'm not good at. And he's really taken the pressure off of me kind of having to do the man things, right? So we set it up right from the beginning where I was just like, I was so entrenched in my business when we first met that I literally said, all I want to know is what time to be ready and what to wear. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And he did everything else, right? And then as we became boyfriend-girlfriend and as we moved in, things started to equalize. Mm -hmm. But it started out with, I was just like, I'm just going to look pretty, you know? (laughs) And now um, we just balance each other really well. Like he sees things in me. Like whenever he sees me going into the stressful place, he can bring me back. He's very kind Mm -hmm. of grounded and I'm full of air and fun, you know? And so I bring Mm -hmm. laughter and I go around the house naked dancing and Mm -hmm. putting on shows and I make him laugh. And, you know, so we just, I don't know, we inspire each other in that way. And we're Mm -hmm. also, he's a production designer in the business. So we understand each other's businesses really well. Mm -hmm. And, um, he likes my art, which helps, and he puts it in his commercials, and we have it. Mm-hmm. And he puts it up all over our house. So it really is about finding someone who just compliments you, and their quirks match your quirks, mm-hmm. you know? And and I just feel like I met my person. How cool. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to happen. I really had said, you know, I'll be fine by myself for the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, I get to do it with someone else. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I love all sorts of ram- romance. So I love all of this. <laughs> yeah. I know. Online. Crazy. My boyfriend and I met on Tinder. So. Love it. Mm-hmm. Six years later. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. You never know anymore. You just don't. No, and, and I, I, you know, back in those days when it was first coming out, everyone was like, oh, it's not going to be real that way. I'm like, it really is no different than meeting someone anywhere else. It's just like how, you know, I, I keep using dating as an example of like building sales funnels for clients. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're just putting them into the funnel. You yeah. still need to go through all the steps. Yeah. Like all the steps are real. Yeah. And I used it as an investigation as well. Like yeah. I was saying yes, that was one of the things. I said yes to everyone, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I would go and I would just, there's always something interesting about someone. You can learn something from everyone. So I was just like figuring out what was going to work for me as I went. Mm -hmm. And then I walked in to meet him and I was, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am in trouble. Yeah, for sure. And and I think there's that, that level of just going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like people with so much pressure when they are dating that every coffee you go on or drink you go on, 
it's like this big serious date. I'm like, yeah. just go make a friend. Like yeah. start there. Start there. Yeah. You might not and be date. Friends. Yes. It's like we as women, and I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but like we as women, when we meet someone, then we make them very important, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it when I when I started working with this relationship coach, she was like, just keep dating. And and just so you don't put too much pressure on anybody, right? And then somebody will step up, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's what Vincent did. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, you know, I just want you to know I'm seeing other people. And Mm -hmm. I can't remember at what point I said this, you know, and he was just like, no, you're, no, you're not. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, well, but I am, I'm really waiting to find someone who actually wants to grow into something real with me. And, Mm -hmm. And he was basically like, yeah, that's me. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> he actually said, if I saw you walking down the street with another man, I'd want to hit him. So, and I was just like, he's not a violent person. No, but he said not. that. And we were like, okay, I guess we're boyfriend, girlfriend. That's adorable. <laughs> it just gets better. I appreciate all this. <laughs> well, as we are wrapping up today, what would you like to leave everyone with about you or a quote you like or anything else that we didn't get to talk about? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me the quote because I thought you might ask me. So I'm a big quote person. I have bajillion on my Instagram. Um, but I have two that I love. Yeah, please. And uh, the first one is from a woman named Rebecca Ray. She was never quite ready, but she was brave. And the universe listens to brave. I love that. Oh, my God. I love that quote. Yeah. Because you never feel ready, right? No. And if you if you do, it's not the right move. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I heard something today about um, the first step is you do it, and the second step is you're brave and inspired. Ooh. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. You just have to take the leap. You have to. You know. Just, and just start. Yeah. And I say that to people all the time because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm, I, I, I need to lose five more pounds. I'm like, no, you don't. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it now. Yeah. And I say to people all the time, my answer whenever you come to me is always going to be yes. Like, do it. Should mm-hmm. I do this? Yes. Should I do this? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. The answer is always going to be yes because what do you got to lose? Because saying no just stops the energy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's a big difference between like saying yes and starting and then having to like stick with it and finish it. No one's saying stick with it and finish it because if you want to, you will. Yeah. But like go start, like go try things like, right. You know, um, you know, people who are trying to find their career path and everything else. I'm like, go do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Like you shouldn't feel bad going somewhere and realizing like this is not it. Right. Like you do not need to stay for a year. Like bounce because they don't want you there anyway. <laughs> right. Right. And that's my other quote that I think about all the time. And one of my teachers, Jeffrey Tambor, used to say this all the time. And he would say, open your aperture, you know, it, because if you're too laser focused on one thing, you're going to miss all the other presents that are all around. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, go in that direction, but keep your aperture open because then all these people, all these ideas, everything's going to flood in, you mm-hmm. know? And, you know, uh, so that's the other quote that I love as well. I love that one too. No, I, um, there's so much. There's so there's so much when you, when you ask a question of how can I do X? Yeah. And just start playing the game of like, all right, well, what are all the ways? Yeah. 
There's so many different things. And um, I find it so fascinating about the human condition that we so often don't see what's next to us. Yeah. Like, how is that? Do this happen to other animals? I'm not sure. Yeah. And I think read Big Magic and read Art and Fear, which I love that book. Like, both of those books just gave me so much, you know, just space and and ideas of how to kind of just embrace life, you know, mm-hmm. and my own creativity. And, uh, yeah. Amazing. Ah. Yeah, it has been such a pleasure to have you. So much fun. Thank like, you so much. I'm so honored. No, it's been great. I love your energy. I love who you are and what you stand for. I'm so thankful to Kendall for connecting us. Me and too. I am left fully rejuvenated and inspired after this. So thank you. Me too, me too. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Stacy is amazing. Her energy, her zest for life, her passion for everything she's doing, and her clarity on what's important. Having her on the show has absolutely left a mark on my life. Plus, if you've been thinking about cleaning up your diet and haven't yet, I hope you're inspired to finally take action after hearing her cancer-beating results. Whether it's love, your diet, your job, or life in general, I hope a piece of Stacy's wisdom has made an impact on you. To connect, support, and follow Stacy, you can follow her on Instagram at Stacy Slodkin. You can also follow her on Facebook, Stacy Slodkin Art. Her website, her email, and all of the spellings for these ways to connect with her will be in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com forward slash podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this new episode of the Powerful Ladies podcast. If you're a yes to Powerful Ladies and want to support us, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to give us a five-star rating and leave a powerful review on Apple Podcasts. You can also be one of our Patreons for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com forward slash powerful ladies. We can get access to exclusive content that we're making just for you. Follow us on Instagram at powerful ladies and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. And of course, visit our website, thepowerfulladies.com for all the latest news, details, and updates. I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. Without her, this wouldn't be possible. You can follow her on Instagram at Jordan K. Duffy. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love. This episode of The Powerful Ladies is made possible by our Patreon subscribers. Did you know that for as little as $1 a month, you can support this podcast? You can send us love, tell us that you want more. You can support all of our events and all that we're doing in the world to fulfill on our full circle of empowerment. It starts at $1 a month. That's less than the coffee you're drinking a day. And there's so many more levels that give you more bonuses and fun things and behind the scenes information. So go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash powerful ladies and support us today. Thank you in advance. <laughs>